Life's Third Act is a podcast dedicated to helping you get the most out of your retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, attorney CPA Joe Cordell features guests each week to discuss prominent topics for those over 55. Welcome to another episode of Life's Third Act. I'm Jill Enders flying solo today. Joe Cordell has a much-deserved day off. And today we are presenting our notable senior retiree segment. The guests we're showcasing today... Uh, guess you could say he is the face of Ameren, Illinois. We've seen him countless time on the news uh, talking about power outages, air conditioner giveaways. He is none other than chairman and president of Ameren, Illinois, Richard Mark. Richard, welcome to Life's Third Act. And I've interviewed you so many times over the years. And again, it's always been about power outages, air conditioner giveaways. Today, we're focusing on you and your career and your upcoming retirement, which is what, in a matter of weeks? Yes, at the end of July. Uh, so uh, July 31st will be my last official day. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank oh. you. Glad to be here, Jill. Thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you. So what made you decide to retire now? <laughs> it's just time. You know, I originally, you know, 20 years ago, I thought when I joined Ameren, I thought I would retire in 2022. And, uh, you know, just with the pandemic and uh, there were some projects that I wanted to make sure I completed before I left here. And uh, we've got those taken care of in the last two years. And now it's just the right time to do it. I've been uh, working since I was 15 years old. And uh, right. you know, when, you, when you get to 66, it's time to just you know, look forward to what that next step is and uh, kind of you know, start planning the rest of your, your next season. Or Life's your next third season. act. That's right. The next act, uh, you know, as what you want to do and, and can have a little bit more control of your calendar and uh, do the things that you want to do and that you enjoy, that you work so hard to achieve. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you didn't start out in the energy sector. You started out in healthcare, uh, I believe, with St. Mary's Hospital. Well, that's not where I actually started, uh, Jill. You know, not, I don't talk about this a lot, but I actually started off as a, as a teacher, a special education teacher. I did not know that. Yeah, I was a teacher right out of uh, college. I came back from Iowa State to Collinsville. I, I taught special education in East St. Louis, and I was assistant football coach at Collinsville High School. So that was my very first job out of college. And uh, I did, I worked in that job. And then I moved to um, working for the city of Collinsville uh, in this police department, working with juvenile offenders. And then I went from there to uh, worked as an assistant to the mayor of Collinsville, then to St. Clair County Intergovernmental Grants Department, and then to St. Mary's Hospital where I spent you know, the first six year, five years as chief operating officer and the last six as the uh, president and CEO. Wow. So talk about a variety of careers. I mean, that is really impressive. Thank you. And, and it, was, it was rewarding. Yeah. Do you ever miss that, working uh, with young people? Well, I do. You know, uh, I think it's kind of reflects some of the volunteer things that I still do now. Uh, I still do, you know, work with Jackie Joyner Kersey Center. Yes. And in East St. Louis, the Jackie Joyner Kersey Foundation, you know, just because I just think young people 
need that help. They need uh, they need adults to be there for them and provide for them and give them direction. And so that is something that I miss and I, I still try to stay involved in. Now, what made you make the leap from healthcare to the energy sector? What drew you to that? Well, actually, um, I was more drawn to it than something drew me to it. Uh-huh. I had uh, been at St. Mary's for uh, 11 years at the time. And actually, uh, I was at the, the highest position that they had in the state of Illinois. Uh, so the company that owned St. Mary's actually was out of Indiana. And it was a small healthcare company. They owned uh, only about seven hospitals, five in Indiana and two in Illinois. And I was pretty much at the top of the career there I could go to. And I had been uh, being recruited by some other healthcare systems uh, and was uh, basically looking at joining a healthcare system in Texas at the time as a senior VP and or and and at senior VP and CEO role. And um I got a call from Chuck Miller, who was the president and CEO of Ameren at the time. He was also the president of BJC Healthcare Board. Oh, so he had and, that connection in health. And he heard, yeah, he calls me. He says, I heard that you're li- thinking about leaving the area. And I said, well, you know, there's nowhere else to go here. I'm thinking about it. And he says, uh, we mind having breakfast with me. And uh, I, I said, okay, well, you know, and I didn't really know what he wanted to talk about, but I actually thought he wanted to talk about United Way fundraising because that's how I met him on the United Way board. Mm-hmm. And he started talking about Amron and I was like, okay, it's, he, you know, it was interesting breakfast. It was at seven o'clock at Cracker Barrel. At, uh, Gotta love Casey- Cracker Barrel. One of my favorites. Yeah. At Caseyville, Illinois. Uh, of all places. I've been to that one. Okay. Yes. <laughs> And so we were there and, and he starts telling me about Amron and I'm like, okay, well, you know, get to the point. And he says, you know, I'm looking for someone and that knows community that, you know, can help us with customer service. He says, well, you know, all of my customer service people at the time, this is 20 years ago, were engineers and they looked at it from more of an operation standpoint than a customer service standpoint. And uh, he says, uh, would you consider coming to work for me? And that was on a Wednesday morning. And I was kind of like shocked. I was like, well, I don't know. You know, why would I want to go from being a CEO of a hospital to a vice president and, you know, in corporate America? And he said, uh, he says, well, are you looking for a career or a title? And I'll never forget him saying that, you know. And uh, he says, uh, I can I can help teach you the uh, utility business, he says. But, you know. The, the things that I've seen you and your hospital do and right. involved in the community and focused on customer. He says, uh, we, we need that type of, of uh, skill set going forward. And he said, that's going to be more and more important as this business evolves. And, uh, you know, so over the course of the next two weeks, we hammered out an agreement. And that's how I came uh, switch from healthcare to to utility. Was it challenging making that transition, learning the utility business? It was because the utility business is more technical, you know, yeah. than most other businesses. So you got to learn and understand, you know, both on the electric side, on the gas side. And uh, Chuck was just a fantastic mentor. He uh, he had a, an engineer that was thinking about retiring. He was a vice president there, been there 40 years. He was going to retire. So um, 
I spent the first six months there with this with this engineer riding around. We would look at a utility pole and he'd tell me everything on it. Here's what this is. Here's what line this is. Here's what the neutral. Here's the primary. Here's your, your service line. And he just was really great at teaching me, you know, the system. And then I just went out and tried to just, you know, meet with people that, you know, from the, the, the entry level people to the more technical engineering types, just to learn about the business and just kind of immersed myself in it for about the first year and a half. And uh, surprisingly, you know, uh, it started all coming together and I understood it. But, you know, I think the three fundamentals of any business Mm -hmm. is understanding the finances of, you know, how you make money and the financial uh, part of the business, understanding the people part, the HR part, and then understanding the rules and regulations. And all three of those things are important, I think, in any industry you're in. So that's just kind of the mindset I took, you know? Right, right. Now, Richard, where did you grow up? I grew up in Collinsville, right where my office is here today. My family, uh, my, my mom's family moved to Collinsville, as far as we know, somewhere in the 1880s. Wow. Deep roots. uh, That's right. To the Metro East. Yeah. We've been in Collinsville, uh, my, my mom's family and uh, my mom and dad been here. Like I said, their families have been here since the 1880s and I still live uh, about, you know, a mile from where my dad uh, grew up, uh, you know, as a kid. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, St. Louis area question, where did you go to high school? Collinsville High School. I knew you were going to say that. That's kind of what I thought. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Collinsville High School. Richard, what would you say has been the highlight of your career? Let's narrow it down with, say, with Amron. Yeah. I I think becoming the CEO of Amron, Illinois, you know, I never, uh, I really, when I took this job 20 years ago, you know, I thought that I would be, you know, I would came in as a VP. So I figured I'd be a senior VP and then work here my 20 years and then retire. And I remember Chuck Miller telling me, he says, you know, if you work really hard and you learn this business, he says, you can be a president, one of our presidents in in 10 years. And I remember, um, so that day, um, you know, it was June 13th, 2012. Uh, On the 12th, that evening, I got a call and said that I was being, I was selected to be the president and they were going to announce it the next morning. I called Chuck that evening. He had retired at that point. He'd been gone a few years. And I called him at about seven o'clock at night because I had to wait till after the market closed, the stock markets closed. And uh, I told him, and I, when he answered the phone, he goes, why are you calling me? You <laughs> he says, you didn't quit or anything, did you? Because he thought it was bad news. I said, no, no, no. I said, I have some bad news. I have some good news. He says, well, what's the bad news? I said, well, you told me when you hired me that if I worked really hard, I could be president in 10 years. And I said, I've been here 10 years and six months and uh, I'm not president yet. And he goes, well, you know, just hang in there. Don't do anything rash. Don't quit. You know, just keep working hard. You, you'll be there. And uh, he said, well, what's the good news? I said, tomorrow morning at nine o'clock, they're going to announce I'm president of Amherst, Illinois. <laughs> and he, he didn't say a word. He waved Yanked about- his chain, didn't you? He, he waited about 10 seconds and then he said, I always knew you were a little slow. And then he busted out laughing and congratulated me. So, yeah. So that the biggest, that was probably the, the thing that's most memorable. Just, and that was also my, one of my grandsons 
He was born at 7.30 this mor that morning. I rushed from Missouri Baptist Hospital out in the county to downtown St. Louis to my office. He was born. I got to see him. I got to, you know, hug his dad and uh, oh. jumped in the car and ran down to the announcement. What a wonderful memory. Two yeah. events to celebrate at the same time. Yes, yeah. So did you ever think that day would come? That I, uh, that I was going to be president? I mean, mm -hmm. I didn't. I really didn't. I, uh, you know, the other leaders were, we're all about the same age. And so I thought, well, you know, they had more utility experience than I did. Um, several of them were engineers, you know. And so uh, being in a company that is really dominated by engineers, not being an engineer was somewhat of a disadvantage. So I, I didn't think they would ever, you know, appoint a non-engineer uh, to that role. And then, you know, but then I, I ended up getting an, a senior VP operations role in Missouri. And I think that really helped people understand that I knew the business. I knew how our systems operated. I knew what was important to customers. Right. And uh, knew how to execute. So um, it finally did. I was and it was but it was a great moment and something that uh, I'm extremely proud of. Mm -hmm. Richard, I want to go back in time to July of 2006, and I think you know where I'm going with this. Now, you weren't with Ameren, Illinois. You were with Ameren, Missouri, but in an executive role, as you just mentioned. And we had those two horrific storms that moved right. through. One was, I believe, on a Wednesday and a Friday, knocked out power for like a million people. It went on for weeks. I remember mine was out for nine days. It was like an indoor camping trip. And I I, I can only imagine, you know, for those like you in an executive executive role with Amron, the pressure you must have been dealing with, you know, with that many people without power. Yeah, that was the largest power outage in either Illinois and Missouri. Right. Just, yeah, I, I I can't believe you remember Wednesday and Friday. Those days are burned into my memory. I. It's, you're exactly right. I was a reporter and I was covering that, you know, for weeks. And I remember yes. all the events that followed, you know, the heat set in and that's right. That's right. It was terrible. And yeah. So, yeah. I mean, was that just probably one of the biggest challenges? It was, it was. And, uh, you know, we try to uh, approach it in a way, you know, Utilities always prepare, and Ameren has always done a great job preparing for emergencies. But you know, no one had exp had experienced something like that no. before. And so, a lot of what we learned during that storm, we actually learned uh, on the job. And uh, and so, like you, you mentioned, you know, I mentioned all the different jobs I've had prior to coming to Ameren. Well, you know, in a way, every one of those jobs paid a, played a part in giving me some experience to fall back on that helped us be successful. For example, we bought in over almost 3,000 workers from the outside. Right. I remember that. When you bring those people in, you have to provide food, clothing, every expense because they're coming from, you know, maybe hundreds of miles away. So you have to do their laundry. Well, everything was out of power. So, you know, how do you how do you take care of 3000 people? And uh, I remember we, we found a company that we could rent uh, a portable laundromat from. They brought them in on trailers and we rented portable restrooms. And, you know, they said, OK, so how are we going to do the laundry? 
of all these people and get it back to them and know what's theirs. And I said, well, you know, when I played college football, you had 150 football players. We just threw our dirty clothes in a mesh (laughs) bag that had our number on it. And then they would, you'd throw all of them in the laundry at one time. And then you got that mesh bag the next set at your locker the next day because it had your number on it. And we like, so we ran out and we bought a bunch of mesh bags and we bought a bunch of all the trap. We went to like Cape Walmarts at the time and all the, the little aisle where you have the little disposable, uh, the travel uh, shampoos. And oh, soap. yeah. We little bought toothpaste, up all right. There was no hospital. There was no uh, hotels open that had uh, yeah. electric. So we um, we basically contacted the universities that had dormitories because it was July and a lot of the dorms were, were empty. So we were able to lease those dormitories out uh, from like St. Louis University and a couple other places. We, we rented their dorms to put, put these linemen up to stay. So a lot of it, we kind of learned lessons and improvised. And uh, it was, we were working 22, 23 hours a day. Yeah. Uh, you know, sleep. I actually slept in the office a couple of times, a few times during that period of time. So it was a learning experience. But um, those, those lessons learned under those difficult times really helped make us a better company going forward because we were able to go back and we charted out some of those things that what we did really well. And uh, we probably are, are better prepared today for emergencies like that than we've ever been. Right, because we've never experienced anything like that before. And I know what you mean about services. I lived at the time in North St. Louis County and services weren't available for miles. To get gas, I had to go 10 miles away to find a gas station. I had to travel several miles to get to a grocery store. And it was, yeah, it was really just a really difficult and challenging time for everybody, I think. And I, how long did it take for power to fully be restored? Was it three weeks? Well, actually we, we've got, we, we had most of the people on in about 12 days, you know? So we still had, you know, whenever you have a storm like that, it's hard, you know, you look at the numbers because um, you have people that come on and then they go back off. Right. You have some people that you can't restore because the damage, they have damage to the, the system that's on their house, like the meter box is yes. off. So, you know, we've got, we, we had most of the customers with on, back on, uh, 95% were on probably in 11 to 12 days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mine was nine days, but it was still, I was, in fact, I was running out of laundry and I'm thinking, I don't want to have to travel to a laundromat. And finally my power came back on and it's like, yes, I can do my laundry at home. Well, you know, you mentioned Wednesday and Friday because we had uh, the storm knocked out about a half million people in Missouri on that Friday, on that Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, when it rode through and you saw the pictures down at the stadium of the trash cans blowing all over. And stadium. it was unexpected. I remember. It was. Yes, right. It wasn't, it wasn't expected at all. And I remember we got about 250,000 on between Wednesday, uh, Wednesday evening and Friday morning. And I'll never forget, I was standing out on the parking lot of our downtown headquarters doing an interview with one of the TV stations. Yeah. And I'm looking in the background over their head and I see these st- these clouds getting blacker and blacker. And finally, I said, I got to go. <laughs> and uh, 
that the storm rolled in that morning and knocked out another 250,000. So we're back up to 500,000 in Missouri. You know, that's funny you said that because that Friday morning, my electricity just was restored and I was outside talking to a neighbor and we're looking at the sky and the wind and the trees moving and we're like, it looks like we're going to get another bad (laughs) storm. And next thing you know, I booked it inside, took my dog in the basement and everything goes black. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. not again. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was terrible. That yeah. was terrible. Well, on a lighter note, let's talk about your retirement. What do you plan to do? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is take a long vacation. <laughs> the day after, uh, you know, I told my wife, I said, you know, I want to, I don't want to wake up the next day and say, okay, now what do I do? So we have a vacation plan. Um, we're going to, you know, take off that next day, go to, uh, Florida for a couple of weeks. We're meeting a couple other, uh, friends of ours, couples that, you know, they've retired in the last couple of years themselves. And we're just going to meet them down in Florida and have a, have a couple of weeks of rest and relaxation. And then, uh, you know, come back and, um, I have six grandsons. So, I was going to uh, ask you how many grandchildren, six. Okay. I have six grandsons. Um, then they keep me busy between, and especially in the summers with swim meets and baseball games and, you know, uh, so get involved with them and, uh, you know, just kind of get back into a little routine after that. But the first thing I'm going to do is take a vacation. I think you deserve it after <laughs> oh, all these you. years. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Do you think there's, you're going to miss your career with Amron? I, I think I'll miss the people, I, 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 the people I work with. I got a great team in Illinois that I work with, a team that we've built over the last 10 years here. Um, some really great people, you know, that I know them. I know their their spouse. I know some of their children. Um, so I'm going to miss that interaction. I, I don't think I'll miss the day-to-day, um, you know, things that you have to deal with as an executive of any type of corporation, you know, it's, uh, right. people think it's a nine to five job. It's, you know, it's really, you know, it's usually, you know, seven 30 to 10 30 job, you know, it's right. Like right. You get up right. in the morning, you're, you answer emails, you, you know, it, you're always it's, working. You're always working. It's Saturdays, it's Sundays, you know, it's whenever th- something comes up. So, um, I won't miss that part, but I'll miss the people part. I, I just, the interaction with the people, the, the talking, the, you know, just the, just the, the being a good colleague, you know? Right. Well, and you can still keep in touch, I'm sure. Yeah, right, right, right. Only difference is I'll have time to do that. And a lot of them will still be doing the things <laughs> that I'm doing. They'll still be working. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So you're going to go to Florida for a couple of weeks, get some R&R. And what about after that? Do you plan to continue with uh, the community organizations you've been involved with for so many years? Yeah, I'm going to continue with some community work. And then um, I'm also on a corporate uh, Fortune 500 board, uh, directors of a, of a Fortune 500 company. So I'm going to do some board work and, um, uh, you know, maybe do some, you know, a, maybe an additional board. I've been asked, uh, been contacted now, you know, by several companies about maybe doing some advisor work. I'm not going to do a whole lot of, I don't want to do, I don't want a 40 hour job. I'm going to, I'm going to do some things that I think are interesting and things that are challenging for me just to keep a little bit busy. But, um, but I'm going to, you know, spend some time, more time with the the grandkids, some time doing the things that I want to do that I enjoy. Um, 
and uh, you know just just kind of enjoy what I've worked for for 45 years now. Now, do you think you'll stay in the area or at some point you might want to go to a, a community, a retirement community in, say, Florida, where a lot of retirees go? Yeah, I think I'll probably stay in this area. You know, I, uh, my wife and I, we live on some acreage just right outside Collinsville. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so we've we've kind of built our own little place there and it's it's close. All of my grandchildren live within seven miles of us and oh. my kids they live right there. So, you know, my wife's not going to let us get too far from Collinsville for too long, you know? I understand. I understand. So you have six grandsons, but no granddaughters. No granddaughters, all boys. So what's that like having six grandsons, especially when they're all together? I mean, I I look for for earplugs. (laughs) I I was going to say, it must be very loud. Oh, it's loud. You have to be on your toes, you know, because they 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 have every type of ball there is, footballs, baseballs, soccer balls. Next minute, you know, so you got to keep your head on a swivel because they just the little ones haven't haven't learned where to throw them yet, you know. They they'll <laughs> throw a ball in the kitchen just like they will out in the yard, you know. So uh it's always a challenge. You got to keep your you got to keep an eye on them, but uh they're fun. They all get along together, you know, like they're brothers, not like they're cousins, you know? Right. So, um, What's the age really, range? Uh, my Otis is 22 to one. 22 to one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so how many children yeah. did you have? We have three. Three. Okay. And they're all seven years apart. So, you know, I have, a, a, I have a two sons. They're two Otis. And then we have a daughter. And each of them have two sons. Okay. So I have a 22, a 20, and then I have a uh, 10, a 7, a 3, and a 1. Wow. Grandsons, yeah. Well, I bet Christmas and Thanksgiving's exciting at your home. Oh, they are. (laughs) Never (laughs) a dull moment. (laughs) That's right. So it's fun. And, you know, I wanted to congratulate you, too. You recently were honored with the Lifetime Achievement Award by uh, Boy Scouts of America. Yes. So yeah. tell us what was your reaction when you found out you were receiving that award? Well, you know, I, I was shocked actually. I mean, obviously very, you know, humbled and 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 thankful for getting it, but just really kind of shocked, you know. And I was like, well, why me? <laughs> you know. And so, you know, it's, the funny thing is that a lot of the things that the some of the people who nom- the people who nominate me, you know, said were things that, you know, I really had not thought a whole lot about, uh-huh. you know, it was like, you know, I helped out um, in, you know, some, uh, a boy scout group when I first was in St. Louis, trying to establish scouting in the inner city, you know, to help right. African-American kids who really didn't have access to scouting, get access to scouting, you know, and to be honest with you, I kind of forgot about it, you know, I tried to help get it started. You are uh, very humble, aren't you? I don't know. If that's, <laughs> but you know, I didn't really think of it as I, I didn't think of it as something special or something, you know, any different. I just thought it was something that somebody needed to do, so I did it. And um, and so the the award they kind of reminded me of some of several of those type of little things, and I thought, well, you know. Um, so it was great that they brought back some great memories uh, of some some of those things and 
And I was just, you know, just shocked and and just very honored and humbled to to be recognized with a lifetime achievement from the Boy Scouts. Because I, I, you know, I think about I didn't have access to a lot of scouting. I had some, but I, I was thinking about it and getting ready for that evening. I went back and read with Scout Oath and things. And I thought about some of those things, you know, about uh, being trustworthy and, and helping people and all of those type of things. And it didn't ring true to me that it didn't, I didn't think about the scout oath when I thought about it as, you know, when, when I reflected on it, I thought about some of the things my mom and dad told me, you know, about being honest and being trustworthy and, and, and don't just stand there, help people, right? you know, make and a I difference. Thought, yeah, and I thought about the similarities of scouting, and and that really, you know, kind of gave me chills, you know, and um, made me my both of my parents are deceased, and uh, so it made made me really reflect back on how important having that adult uh, person in your life to help teach you those basic things at a very young age, because it can make it'll make a tremendous difference as you become an adult. And so many kids, unfortunately, don't have that type of adult role model. Yes. And, you know, the interesting thing, Jill, about that is I received the award and there was a a troop from East St. Louis there at the, uh, and one of the scout uh, uh, officers that was over that troop I had worked with in in St. Louis doing inner city scouting. And uh, about two weeks later, I was at the NASCAR event down here at Worldwide Technologies Racetrack, and uh, I was walking through with a with another colleague, and um, that scout troop was there for a flag racing thing, and they came over and said, "Hey, Mr. Mark," and they all came up and shook my hand again, and so oh. that was kind of neat. That was a very very that's uh, touching. You know, yeah, it was. It was a very very emotional, very neat thing to see young kids who actually recognize you. They're polite. You know, they they were just, you know, just great young people. Well, I think it goes to say that you made a positive impression on them. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Any advice, any words of wisdom to your successor? Well, you know, um, no, I don't know. You know, the, the, um, they, the gentleman who who they picked is uh, Lenny Singh. He's mm-hmm. from New York, and you know my and I I I don't I don't haven't previously known Lenny, but you know my advice to anyone that would step into this role is, you know, when you start something new, for, you know, first of all you have to figure out what you have, and uh, you know I, if I had to compare this to a baseball analogy, I'd say Amarillo Illinois is really in first place right now, and so you know. <laughs> To learn how to maybe understand, you know, the people you have, understand um, the differences in Illinois. It's going to be different whether you're coming from Missouri or you're coming from New York or if you're coming from Kansas. Illinois is a different place and you have to understand, you know, the, the culture, the communities, understand the people there. I think you have to embrace the expertise of the team that we've put together here. You know, Amarillo, Illinois was the number one utility in the Midwest uh, for customer service with J.D. Power last year. Right. You know, I remember that we take a lot of pride in that. And, uh, you know, so that's something that uh, that I think it's important that that the successor, you know, upholds. 
and, um, you know, and comes in and really tries to, how do you build on that and how do you just sustain it? And if you're a baseball, you know, if you have a team that's in first place, the goal for any new manager is to make sure they stay there. Okay. Well, Richard, we're about out of time, but I want to thank you again for joining us today. And again, I wish you all the best in this thank next you. chapter of your life in retirement. And we'll have to circle back in a few, you know, maybe six months to see how okay. things are going. Well, thank you. I And thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk with you today. And, and uh, again, thanks for the uh, the, the opportunity and I'm looking forward to it. So, okay. and I hope to see you soon. Thank you. We wish you all the best. Thank you. Well, that's been another episode of Life's Third Act. Until next time, take care. You've been listening to Life's Third Act, a podcast for thriving in retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, your estate and elder law advisors. Each week, we discuss topics and answer questions to help you better plan for your future. For more information, visit TuckerAllen.com. Subscribe and listen again next week for another edition of Life's Third Act. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements.